Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. To become a supporter of this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. All right, welcome everyone. This week's parasha is one of those stories that's maybe not really about who it's about. We're reading Toldot, and Toldot starts at Genesis chapter 25, verse 19, and goes through the middle of chapter 28, up through verse 9. Now, before I jump in any further to the Parsha, I want to say a thank you that is also a reminder. The thank you is to the small group of individuals who support 7-Minute Torah on a regular basis, either by giving a small per episode amount, or a monthly gift, or even a one-time gift. I am deeply grateful, and I do depend on the support of those individuals in order to be able to continue to do this work, to share meaningful, accessible, liberal Jewish learning with hundreds of people across North America and the world. So if you're interested in supporting 7-Minute Torah, there are two ways you can do that. One is to go to laasok.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org, where you can either give a one-time gift or set up a monthly contribution. The other is to go to patreon.com slash 7minutetorah, where you can sign up to give a small per-episode gift. And it may not feel like much to you, but it goes a long way. So thanks to all those who do support 7-Minute Torah. And uh, thanks to all those who are considering becoming supporters of 7-Minute Torah. Now, Toldot. As I said a minute ago, this parsha is not exactly about what it's about. Toldot begins with the words, Eile Toldot Yitzchak. This is the story of Isaac. And when I say it's not really about Isaac, what I mean is that actually, the stories in Isaac's story are mostly about his children and his wife. So in last week's parsha, we met Rebecca, who comes back to be the wife of Isaac. And at the beginning of this week's parsha, we learn that she has become pregnant with twins. We learn that Rebecca's twins, who will become Jacob and Esau, are fighting in her womb. We learn that she talks to God. We learn that she inquires of God as to what to do. And then we watch Jacob and Esau as they are born and as they kind of struggle their way in the womb, out of the womb, and through the world, fighting all the while. So in many ways, Toldot is the stories of everybody that surrounds Isaac, as opposed to being Toldot Yitzchak, the story of Isaac. Except that in the midst of all that are embedded a couple of short stories about our patriarch Isaac. And I want to focus on one of them because I think it speaks to the current moment that we're living in, which is, of course, this moment of conflict over the land of Israel, this very challenging moment of war between Israel and Hamas, war in Gaza, the question of can two peoples share one land? The Torah speaks to that actually quite loudly in this week's parsha. So I'm in Genesis chapter 26 here, where we watch Isaac and Rebekah moving their way through the land of Israel. They live at Beersheba, 
They go to visit the Philistines at Gerar, which is essentially Gaza today. They ultimately will conclude a peace treaty with the Philistines, which is what this story is leading up to. And in the midst of that, we're told as follows. This is verse 18. Vayashov Yitzchak, vayachpor et be'erot hamayim asher chafru Abraham. Isaac dug the wells anew, which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham, and which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham's death. So, first of all, who are the Philistines? Philistines are a coastal people living, as I said, in essentially the area that is today Gaza. A lot of scholars believe that the Philistines were originally a Grecian people who immigrated from some of the Greek islands and made their way to the land of Israel sometime around the 12th century BCE, you know, around 1200 BCE, which is interesting because that actually means that there were no Philistines in the land in the time of Isaac. So this story is an anachronism. It tells us that this story was written later. It tells us that it's about something other than what it's about. Now, the Philistines most definitely were there during the time of the kingdom of Israel. They are a regular enemy figure in the David stories, in some of the other stories surrounding the kings of Israel, which means that very likely they are placed here into the patriarch-matriarch stories as a kind of foil for the progenitors of Israel to show that there are other people in the land, which was, of course, the reality of the Israelites living from call it 1,000 to 500 BCE, who wrote the Torah, whose stories these were. One thing I need to point out before going on any further is that Philistines are not Palestinians. I'm not trying to draw an exact parallel there or to say that these are the same people. There is a kind of an indirect etymological connection because the name Philistine is how the land got the name Palestine. It was given by the Romans when they conquered it from the Jews. And Palestinians, of course, are people who live in Palestine. And so it might sound like the names are connected, but these are not the same people. Palestinians do not consider themselves descended from Philistines, as far as I know. They actually largely consider themselves descended from Canaanites and Israelites and other people who have moved in and out of the land over the course of many centuries, the connection that I'm drawing here is of the picture of two people sharing the land. The idea that we are living alongside and sharing resources with someone else, the someone else in the Torah being the Philistines. So what does the Torah tell us about the Philistines in this particular case? It says that there were some wells that had been dug in the time of Abraham, and that the Philistines have stopped up the wells. They filled in the wells with dirt so that no water can come out of the wells. This is obviously a problem for Isaac, who requires wells for his flocks, being a shepherd and all. So what we have here in many ways is an act of war or an act of aggression by the Philistines toward Isaac and his family. And over the course of the next several verses, we're told that Isaac dug several wells and the Philistines quarreled with him over those wells. So in verse 19, we're told that Isaac's servants dug or found a well of spring water. And then the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying that water is ours. So he named it Esek, which in Hebrew means quarreling or contending. 
And then the same thing happens again, and they name the next well Sitna, which in Hebrew means harassment. And that happens several times until finally in verse 22, it says, Vaya'atek misham, he moved away from there to another place and dug yet another well, and this time they did not quarrel over it. So he called it Rechovot, which means wideness or wide spaces. And he said, now at last God has granted us ample space to increase in the land. So we have here a story that might feel familiar because it is a story about fighting over resources in the land of Israel, fighting over space, fighting over territory, fighting over water. And of course, a fight over water is a fight over territory and livelihood. So the Torah is telling us that living in the land of Israel has always meant negotiating the space and the resources with the other people who live there. We see that here We saw it in last week's Parsha when Abraham is negotiating with the Hittites over a plot of land to bury his wife Sarah. It is a reality of living in this land. And I think there are two lessons embedded in this story. One is in the stopping up of the wells. And here I'm quoting from the commentary of Robert Alter, who points out, quote, A water source is not easily divisible. The spiteful act of the Philistines in blocking up the wells expresses a feeling that if we can't have the water, nobody should. So the use of water here is very possibly purposeful because a water source isn't something that you can easily share unless you're willing to both come to the same well and both take the same water. You can't just divide up a spring the way you can divide up a piece of land. And so I think the embedded message here is about zero-sum games. The, the sin, the wrong of the Philistines in this passage is actually believing that this must be a zero-sum game. One group must lose in order for the other to win, and we're willing to go as far as losing ourselves in order to make you lose. In other words, we'll stop up the well so that nobody can have it. And in the end, nobody gets to use the water that way. We see that kind of thinking in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as well, that one group must lose in order for the other one to win, that this is somehow a zero-sum game in terms of living in the land. The antidote to that way of thinking is found in the very next verse when Isaac finds another well, and he names it Rechovot. And as I mentioned earlier, the Hebrew word Rechovot means wideness. Wideness because... I think the message is that there is enough room in the land for both groups. That living in this land doesn't have to be a zero-sum game, that it's wide enough for everybody to live within it and to share the resources within it. By the way, Rehovot is, of course, the name of a modern city in Israel as well. I have family in Rehovot, and it's named for this particular story. So I think that the lesson of this Parsha, and maybe the lesson of the stories of Genesis, is that the land must be shared. That living in the land means striving to see the perspective of the other and making enough space, rechovot, both physical space for everybody to live in and also mental space, philosophical space, for there to be a variety of truths and a variety of ways to relate to the land. 
The Torah is trying to tell us that when one group sees the other as illegitimate in the land, you can't have the resources of this place, that we actually all lose, that the only answer is rechovot. The only answer is making space for two peoples, for two sets of stories, for two ways of seeing the world and the land. So that is my hope and my prayer for the land of Israel in this dark moment. I know that a lot of people are making their way to the rally in Washington, D.C. today to stand with Israel and to call for the return of the hostages. I, as well, am praying for the safe return of the hostages. And I hope and I pray that as we move forward, we can find ways to see the humanity on the other side and to open up the well springs together so that the resources can be shared and so that both of the peoples of the land can live in peace. Thanks for listening, everyone. Seven Minute Torah is a production of La Asok, Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7minutetorah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laasoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.